As I was thinking about the phrase, our father who art in heaven, I found myself thinking about my own father who art in heaven. My dad's departure for heaven left an indelible mark on me. During my teen years, my relationship with him was tenuous at best, and it improved little as I grew into adulthood. Because of that, I never thought that his death could bring me such a sense of God's presence of victory and reassurance of eternal life. And I'm going to be telling that story on today's episode of Storming the Gates. Welcome to Storming the Gates, a podcast that celebrates the power of prayer. You will be inspired, equipped, and find strength for every battle you face. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Storming the Gates. I just got back from a splendiferous vacation to Southern Florida, and I got to tell you, I really needed it after this winter. And who am I kidding? Here in the north, it's still sort of winter. We just had another snowfall. Uh, But this too shall pass. Spring comes, right? That's how God designed it. Even if it feels like a long season, eventually the Lord comes riding out and delivers us. Well, in this season, we're going to be going through the Lord's Prayer. The last time we spoke about the Lord's Prayer, we considered why Jesus chose the salutation our Father, to begin the prayer he taught us. And I'm going to provide a link to that podcast in the show notes. In that episode, we discussed how Jesus chose the words, Our Father, because first, we must know that the God we approach in prayer as a Father who loves us, cares for us, wants to protect us, and wants to see us succeed. Then secondly, Jesus added, Who art in heaven? Now again, I pause. Why is Jesus determined we know God as a Father in heaven? Heaven. Isn't God everywhere? Wouldn't the most important thing be to know that God is with us, our Emmanuel? Emmanuel means God with us. Well, in my mind, that's how it would be. But Jesus clearly points out, not just in the Lord's Prayer, but all over the Bible, that our Father is in heaven. Why does he do this? Well, let's consider a few verses about that. In Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, Call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Well, this voice isn't saying that our earthly fathers are not to be respected, but it's stating that they are merely stand-ins and imperfect ones at that. While we await a glorious reunion with our true father, who is in heaven. And again, the Bible repeatedly states that Jesus was sent from heaven and the Holy Spirit was sent from heaven. Then there's that crazy cool moment in Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, where Jesus is being baptized and the heavens open. I really believe it. The veil between earth and the spiritual realm is what was pulled open. Anyhow, the father then makes a statement, this is my beloved son. And he repeats that same phrase in the transfiguration, which you can read about in Mark 17, verses 1 through 9. That's telling us that Jesus is on earth and the father is speaking to us from heaven. In John 14, 2, Jesus said when he was on earth, in my father's house are many rooms. So, The Father is in a different place. 
He is preparing that place for us. He is not here. Jesus often speaks of his father in heaven. He told us children's angels behold the face of his father in heaven. That's from Matthew 18, 10. He said the father would give us the true bread from heaven. John 6, 32. Jesus repeats that our sins will be forgiven by the father in heaven. Mark 11, 25 through 26. I don't know. I've been taught since I was like five years old to believe the Father's in heaven on a throne. Jesus came to earth and died, rose again, was seated at the Father's right hand, right? But somehow, as I really considered all the verses and what the Bible says about our Father in heaven, I was totally fascinated with this truth. It gave me a fresh understanding that my true beloved Father is in a whole different place, a different atmosphere a different spiritual dimension from me. And he is able to communicate with us, but mostly he communicated by sending his son down to us. By the way, this is also repeated over and over that Jesus came down or that the Holy Spirit came down. So the spirit realm is all around us, but heaven is above us way above, I'm guessing. In fact, when Jesus fulfilled his earthly mission, he went back to heaven and he ascended. He went up, up and away. Well, the disciples like stood there gazing up at the sky. (laughs) Okay. So what does this mean for our prayer life? Is the father too far away to see or hear our cry for help? Well, contraire, somehow being the great and awesome being he is, Although he sits on a white throne surrounded by myriads of angels and saints judging the universe, he somehow hears his children when they call. 1 Peter 3.12 says God sees us and his ears are constantly open to our cry. Also, as I just shared, twice the Father spoke from heaven. How does he do that? I don't know. But clearly, he does hear us and he knows us and he sees us. All right, 1 John 5, 6 or 8 also says that the Spirit bears witness, okay? The Bible is constantly telling us the Spirit bears witness. So I was thinking about this, and I think that there is an important correlation. God is three in one. So what the Spirit hears, God hears, okay? Jesus said in John 15, 16, Whatsoever thing you ask in my name, he, meaning the father, he's talking about the father there, will give it to you. So there is an importance in knowing that even though we're on earth, okay, uh, we can ask the father things, but we have to go through the channel that he has given us. Jesus said, whatsoever thing you ask in my name, that channel is his son. So to go through that channel, You have to first receive the Son, Jesus, into your life by believing he died for you. Repent of sin and wrongdoing. Surrender your very self, your life, into his hands. When you do that, and I pray that you have, if you haven't, do that today. And when you do, then the Holy Spirit comes in to dwell with you. John talks, uh, Jesus talks all about this in John. And by the Spirit, 
which is connected in perfect unity to the Son, your prayers are heard, received, and answered in accordance with the perfect will and divine judgment of the Father. So do you get that? We pray a prayer. The Holy Spirit within us is able to communicate that to the Son, and it is brought before the Father who considers that prayer request. Anyway, I think that is so cool. And I'm going to provide a lot more verses in the Bible study that I send out to the subscribers of my email. So if you would like to dive in further, take a look at that uh, Bible study or contact me uh, in the link in the show notes. and I'll send one out to you, lickety split. Okay, so let's get back to heaven and its importance in prayer. So who art in heaven means our Father has a perspective unique and far broader than anything we can see from our tiny little viewpoint here on earth. When someone we love is fighting for their life in a hospital, it's easy to get swept away in the bad news a doctor shares. When the outcome of our prayer is nowhere near what we are hoping, it's easy to think God does not care or listen. But the reality is this, God, our Father, has a heavenly perspective. He answers prayer with an eye on its eternal value. He is aware of the heavenly beauty that we may be keeping a loved one from. He is aware of the difference a hardship may have on a human soul that needs to grow stronger and that will find God through the difficulties and the sorrows they encounter. My last podcast was called Answers in the Unanswered, where I did my best to address those prayers that seemed to go unheeded by the Father. So I found it interesting as I've been reading the story of Reese Howells. Um, if you don't know who Reese Howells is, he's one of the most incredible, deeply voted intercessors in the last century. Great book. Get it? It's wonderful. So Reese Howells often believed for things that ended up not coming to pass. For instance, him and the college that he had founded once deeply interceded that World War II would not happen. Well, it did happen. Reese Howells did not allow those disappointments to fracture his faith. And of such things, Reese believed there was a divine principle at work. Apparent failure, he said, was a stepping stone to greater victory. So, in other words, heaven's agenda always trumps our earthly desires and is always better than what we request. So first, God is your father who loves, adores, and desires the very best for you. And then understand his answers come from an indescribably beautiful place with an eternal perspective. Therefore, I believe this phrase, who art in heaven, is a call to pray by seeking God for a heavenly perspective. When we are not shown God's heavenly perspective, we still must trust his decisions come from this place of unconditional love and the wisdom of eternity. There was a time I was battling for my spiritual life. To be honest, sin had left me with loss, emptiness, and I was stuck in a dark pit and saw no hope of escape. I'm not sure how God spoke to me. I just remember hearing his voice echoing somewhere within that pit, whatever you do, make it to heaven. Heaven. I wondered. I was just trying to survive and get over my shame and my grief and the losses. Why did heaven make a difference? 
I mean, I knew heaven was real, but too esoteric to matter much in this life, or did it? This message from God seemed clear. Even if I was a complete failure on earth, and yet I still believed unto salvation, I would have gained the greatest gift of all, which is eternal life. Well, the very next day, a friend said she felt led to give me a book called My Time in Heaven. It was written by Dr. Robert Sigmund. And I want you to know I have read many books about heaven since then. But this book cover declared that it's a true story of dying and coming back. Well, no one can say whether Richard Sigmund truly experienced heaven or not, but the book certainly gave me a fresh viewpoint of what heaven could be. In fact, I devoured that paperback. As I read uh, Richard Sigmund's incredible story being dead for eight hours after a car wreck, heaven became more than ethereal clouds with robed people floating around on them. Heaven, according to Sigmund, was actually a continuation of our earthly life. For instance, Sigmund wrote, Every song, every note, every word you are taught stays with you throughout eternity. There is no end to learning. The things we do on earth, we will do in heaven in bigger and better ways. The purpose we had on earth will continue into our next life with so much more beside. So heaven is what it's really all about. Getting there, getting others there, serving God well while we are in our earthly tent so we can hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, when we get there. And through that book, I remembered my earthly father and the experience I had long ago of seeing him in heaven. Well, to tell that story, I want to read you a piece from a book that I'm working on. It's a sequel to A Call to the Wilderness, which is my first book. You can find that on Amazon, and I'll provide the link below. All right, let me start here. I received a call from my sister. I have good news and bad news, she told me. Which would you like first? This does not bode well, I thought. The good. Dad quit smoking. Uh-oh. And the bad? He has cancer, she replied confirming my suspicions. My relationship with my father wavered between rocky and awkward. He had always worked long hours and two jobs to support his family of seven. That left little time for me, the energetic tomboy in the middle of his brood. He did take me once on a surprising one-on-one daddy-daughter date to see the Lipizzan Stallions perform at the Cobo Arena in Detroit. That was magical. But my turbulent teen years followed suit trampling the memory like so much hay and manure. I was one of those teens that slammed doors and yelled, I hate you. I stayed out all night, even disappearing for days at a time. My dad's solution was to try to threaten me and use strong-arm tactics that only strengthened my rebellious attitude. As soon as I graduated high school, I packed my things and moved out. And through the years, I barely spoke to my father. Then at the age of 21, I became an avid follower of Jesus. The radical change in me did not impress him. He already despised my mother's religious fanaticism and could hardly stomach me following in her footsteps. Sadly, he probably preferred the rebellious teen to the Jesus freak. He assumed it was just another crazy phase of his wild middle child, but years went on and my love of God only deepened. I came down from the Upper Peninsula one year to visit my parents with our five-year-old Grace and two-year-old Bethany in tow. The visit had gone well, and my father offered to take us to breakfast before we left. 
He had gone to start the car as he always did, and soon I headed out with my toddlers to join him. But his car was gone. He was nowhere to be found. And that was before cell phones. So all we could do was wait. And wait. And my heart began to break. Didn't my father want to say goodbye to me and the kids? And then it was time to leave. My mom wore a brave smile, but she was clearly hurt for me. Why did he leave? Did my dad hate me that much? It felt like I'd been punched in the stomach repeatedly. But I weakly gathered our things and left for the eight-hour drive north, vowing to never visit him again. We were a few hours into drive when precocious little Grace piped up suddenly. I told Grandpa to ask Jesus into his heart, she announced. What's that? I asked. Grace explained that while we were in the house, she'd followed her grandpa to the car. With the simplicity of a child, she saw he was smoking and she was afraid he might not go to heaven. She told her grandpa he needed to ask Jesus into his heart. When he resisted, she explained, It's easy, Grandpa, just sing this song. And she burst into a round of, Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, like we sang at our kids' Easter, uh, our kids' Bible club. Grace finished singing the song afresh for us before dropping her head. But Grandpa got real mad and asked me to leave. She finished with a pout. I thought of when God told the prophet Samuel, They have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. It was God my father was rejecting, not me. Dad's mysterious disappearance was explained, but it still hurt all the same. Back in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, my days were filled with teaching kids, prayer meetings, and ministry plans. I rarely spoke to my father. And when I did, it's usual stifled, perfunctory chat before quickly asking for my mom once again. So a few years and a couple children later, my sister called to share the sad news about my dad. I prayed for him, but I did not reach out in a significant way until she called again with an update. Dad's in a cancer hospital in Zion, Illinois, and he's going to be having major surgery. When? I asked. It seemed so sudden. I mean, I knew he was being treated for cancer, but assumed for no reason at all that he would recover. I mean, he was my dad. Dads live forever, don't they? Tomorrow morning, my heart jumped. When I explained to Thomas what was going on, he told me, go, I'll watch the kids. Am I crazy, I thought, as I hurriedly threw some clothes together and kissed my sleeping babies goodbye. I headed off to Illinois, driving eight hours through a wet and foggy night, praying desperately that God would give me an opportunity to share the Lord with my father one last time. My vehicle plunged through the dark down winding Wisconsin roads, merged in Illinois as the sun burst over the landscape. I only knew Dad was scheduled for surgery in the morning, and I hoped I was on time to see him beforehand. Arriving at the hospital, I hurried to find my mom. She was perched on a waiting room chair. As soon as I saw her face pinched thin with worry, I knew I had made the right decision. She ran to hug me. Joni, your dad's in surgery right now. You just missed him. Seeing my disappointment, she added, he'll be okay. The words belied the concern in her tone. God spoke to me, she said. My mom often would run across or hear a verse in her mind that related perfectly to a situation. Now she quoted Deuteronomy 8.10. God said your dad will eat and be satisfied. Well, that was significant because the cancer had prevented my dad from eating for a full, long year as he underwent treatment. 
If nothing else, he had expressed to my mom he really just wanted to taste food again. Seeing my fatigue, knowing I had driven through the night, my mom encouraged me to go across the street to the room she was renting and get some rest. She handed me an old skeleton key for her room at the Emanuelson Inn. I was weary and followed her orders. I found the grand old mansion, now transformed into a boarding house across the street. Turning the odd skeleton key, I entered a spacious and welcoming room filled with Victorian-era heirlooms and decor. My body was tired, but my soul was agitated. I knelt beside the bed and prayed. Lord, I said, letting my emotions spill out with the words, you said to mom that dad would eat and be satisfied. That was as far as I got before my prayer was interrupted by a flash of a vision. I saw my dad at a table that was overflowing with food, and the table was in heaven. Just then my mom burst in the room. Joni, Joni, she said through tears. They asked me if I wanted to put your dad on life support. I didn't know what to say. I don't understand. She placed her hands to her cheek, confused, frustrated, overwhelmed. I hugged her tiny frame. Let me find out what's going on, I told her. I'm going to have to finish the story in the next episode, but I want to emphasize that while my mom felt God had told her my dad would eat and be satisfied, God showed me a heavenly perspective. I couldn't tell my mother this yet, but I was wondering if God was saying he is going to eat at my table in heaven. For the first time, I began grappling with the reality that my dad may not be healed of this cancer, and I really wasn't ready for that yet. Okay, I'm so out of time, but I'll be back to complete this story. Before you go, I want to once again encourage you to follow the link in the show notes where you can access my contact information, sign up for the newsletter that I send with each new podcast, and also find my 21 Days with Our Father journal, which will take you through a 21-day fast if you're choosing as you meditate daily on the Lord's Prayer. And do you have a story about heaven? Oh man, email me, let me know. I love a good old-fashioned story of heaven. I'll be back in time for Father's Day with the conclusion of this story and more thoughts on Our Father Who Art in Heaven. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. May he reveal the glory of heaven. And may you know that no one who dies in the Lord ever really dies. Amen. God bless. And we will see and talk to you soon. Thank you once again for listening to Storming the Gates. Be sure to visit our website at stormingthegates.net. While there, sign up for the newsletter and you'll receive free prayer cards and a Bible study for each episode. Check the show notes for links to items mentioned in today's show. We'll see you here again for the next episode of Storming the Gates, a podcast that celebrates the power of prayer. 